happy Wednesday and welcome to the all-new NRL podcast, Caught Offside. We do this show each and every week directly into your Spotify or Apple podcast application. And holy mackerel, it's a big show today because we're going to do 20 burning questions for the 2022 NRL season. And here to help me break it all down for you, my two co-hosts, when it comes to rugby league, his brain works harder than Albert Einstein playing 50 games of chess at one time. He is Scott Parko Parkinson. Mate, welcome. Mate, one of the great introductions. Thank you for having me and really excited about kicking the new the new podcast off. Mate, I don't know about you guys, but the, the grass seems greener, the air seems fresher. And everyone's a bit deluded this time of year, talking themselves into their side, winning a premiership. Very excited for the season to start. And it's a pleasure to introduce our next co-host. When it comes to his love, he's always sending it down the well. The admin of the hugely successful and very funny Simpsons-related NRL memes page, entertainer and comedian Ben Rolfe. Ahoy, hoy. Good to be here. Mate, I've got to say... Your page on Facebook, there's a lot of NRL memes pages out there, but uh, if you're a Simpsons fan and an NRL fan, they go together so well. They really do. Um, it's been a bit disappointing. It's, as, as a fan, it's been a really quiet off-season, but also probably as an NRL coach, it's been a really good thing. <laughs> no no pubs for the players to go and mess up in. Yeah. And I've actually heard the NRL coaches are putting a COVID bubble in for 2022, um, just oh. calling it the bubble without the COVID. That's about right. I'll tell you what, there's a bubble in uh, Queensland at the moment, these uh, floodwaters hitting, my God, Suncorp underwater again. Yeah, I'm sitting in uh, my work uh, because I still have no power. Oh. Oh, wow. The water got right up to our front door, and so I'm just down here having a drink because I work in a bar. Excellent. Jeez, real sacrifices from you, Ben. Well done, mate. <laughs> oh, I've got a whiskey and a beer here, and I'm enjoying. Oh, I feel like I've come uh, underprepared to the party. Now, boys, look, the NRL, it's only a mere matter of days away, really, when we look at it like that. Uh, the season, it kicks off very soon, but... Uh, there's something that all three of us have, I'm sure, and that's burning questions about the upcoming season. And I thought, well, there's probably no better way to really kick off a, a pre-season podcast than uh, going through 20 burning questions. Number one, the most concerned fan base after the recent trials. And in my opinion, I think there's a couple. I think there's a couple of fan bases <laughs> to be concerned. Pike, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, after what you've seen the last couple of weeks, who do you reckon's... Uh, Got to be sitting on that fence a bit worried. Well, it always makes you a bit nervous when your best result comes against a Q Cup side. So for me, it's the Brisbane Broncos. That's just a side that promised so much. And people have said this about me, promise so much but deliver so little. <laughs> um, so maybe it's the the classic undersell and overachieve. But, you know, to draw with the Titans after trailing by about 16 points with 20 minutes to go, purely just getting that draw on enthusiasm and then going against the Cowboys. And even though it's a preseason game, it's a, it's a massive, massive rivalry. Mm. Um, it's one of the games of the season all the time. So to play so poorly um, with, I would argue, a better side than they had the week before is really alarming. So, you know, like I said, maybe it's just poor trial form and they just surprise teams on the day. But as a Broncos fan, um, I don't think it looks very good from Trollful. Absolutely. And uh, since we're on, uh, we've got a Simpsons NRL means page here, I'll lead into the next uh, portion of the Brisbane Broncos uh, with uh, the news coming out uh, over the last 24 hours that Kevin Walters is going to uh, liaise with Adam Reynolds about who he wants to partner him in the halves comes uh, round one. Now, Billy Walters, he always keeps getting thrown up like Billy, like Kevin's just going to chuck him in there no matter what. And, uh, well, it's like the old episode of The Simpsons when they go to Australia and Marge orders uh, coffee. 
but the guy keeps saying beer. He goes to uh, Adam Reynolds. Uh, who do you want to partner you and the halves? Come round one. He says Tyson Gamble. Oh, Billy Walters it is. I think it's more like when Homer is coaching Bart and he just keeps picking his own son yeah, over true. and over, <laughs> even though no, everyone else knows he shouldn't be there. <laughs> exactly right. Now, Ben, um, trial form, who do you reckon is uh, going to be worried? Um, I'm going to say... Even though they won, I'm going to say Parramatta Eels because their fan base has hope. And we all know what happens when Parramatta fans get their hopes up. It just all comes crashing down very soon after. Um, But yeah, also the Broncos, they... The main thing for me was not so much the form, it's that they really need to, like a magic eight ball as their coach. His biggest problem is not being able to make decisions, I think. Walters mm. is, he keeps chopping and changing and he really just needs to settle on a halves combination and just stick with it for... 10, 12 games. Absolutely. And I think it's – I noticed that Kevin Walters, and I found very similar with Queensland, he doesn't strike me as someone who's too confident in what he's doing. I feel like he's almost looking for other people to solve his solve his dilemmas, to answer his questions for him. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I thought him going there and having the backing of the old boys, which is so important at Brisbane – I just I thought that might help him out. I don't think it seems to to have done him any justice, and I just don't purely don't think he knows what he wants to do, and, and it's not a good message when you've got young players who are looking for a bit of a guidance, mm. and I don't think he's got the guidance in him to lead them out of what they're they're currently stuck in. Kishram Man looks like a good player, but mm. I, I just would like them to pick him and just say, hey, you got half a season. Um, partner up, get some lessons from Reynolds and see how you go. There seems to be the same sort of worries. And I mean, I'll go back to the Titans trial game when the Broncos getting into that second half, they sort of look lost. They had their hands in their heads. They had that issue the last couple of seasons. But something else that's uh, really worrying for the Brisbane Broncos is that story that came out recently just before the Cowboys trial saying about how training was hard and like that aside I think that's you know problems in itself but I'm more concerned about the fact that that story made it out into the media I've been a lot of teams and I've complained about a lot of training and this is in D grade sides mate so if you're doing a professional setup yeah what else do you have to whinge about this is your job yep just shut up and do it <laughs> I'll say this is just normal off-season talk this all the teams are told to go out in the media and just say, oh, training's really hard this year. They're really pushing us extra this year. It, it, it's all it's all the same talk you get from all most of the players this time of year, I think. Absolutely. It'd be refreshing for a team to come out and go, you know what, training's been piss easy. We're under ready. <laughs> um, that'd be just a great approach, I reckon. The Cronulla Sharks defeated the Bulldogs in their final trial a couple of nights ago. Do you reckon there's any cause for concern for the Bulldogs? I was worried about them before. I I think this is just kind of reinforces they've gone to buy a whole bunch of players into the team. They're going to need probably at least half a season before any of those combinations gel. Now, uh, so many injuries, uh, people coming back. Uh, who do you reckon will be the best return from injury in season 2022? Yeah, mate, I've gone with Katoni Staggs purely from the fact that I think he needs to have a good season for the Broncos to go well. But, I mean, I think we kind of forget how good he was. I think he, I don't think he got picked in an origin side, but I think his injury occurred before selection. And he was, he was a dead set, certainly, for New South Wales. And then last year when he came back, he probably won the Broncos maybe three or four games on his own. This is a guy who, you know, it potentially could be one of one of the great players in the game. Um, the centre position is not one where there's too many star centres, I don't feel at the moment. So for me, Katoni Staggs, where he was um, to where he can potentially get to, he's on a huge contract uh, re-signing there with Brisbane. A lot of off-field stuff, um, but for me, 
I actually think he's going to come back. I think he's going to come back really strongly. They've kind of gone away from the 5'8 idea mm. um, and just asked him just to play centre, which I think is the best idea going forward. And um, yeah, I, I see a big year for Katoni Staggs. Absolutely, especially since the competition with Billy Walters is going to be fierce. Uh, ben, <laughs> who are you liking coming back from injury? Uh, I thought Ben Hunt looked pretty solid, okay. um, but mainly it's going to be the plethora of players coming back for the Roosters. Yes. Uh, you got Kiri coming back, jo- Joey Manu. I, 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 it's going to be really interesting to see how all those players come back and start play as a team again. If they have a good season, they could really be pushing it because I think this year uh, depth is going to be a real uh, important issue for teams with a lot of players missing one, two weeks here and there for COVID. And now, the Melbourne Storm, I think we could call it the Redcliffe Storm almost, uh, with a stack of them moving around. Brandon Smith moving to the Roosters as well. Uh, who do you reckon uh, will be the best Storm player at a new club? Oh, I think there's there's probably one obvious answer. I think Finucane will be great at the Sharks. I think he'll give them a bit of stark their forward pack, probably something they've kind of missed for a little while. But Nico Hines, I mean, the guy was... You know, I got kind of thrust into it uh, with Papenhausen getting injured, and he was an absolute star. I mean, even in the trial game, um, trial game yesterday, sorry, on Sunday, um, I thought he was outstanding again. The All-Stars game, I think he was player of the match. So he's a guy who just begged out for opportunity. He's now got it. Um, we do see sometimes players leave that storm system and falter. Mm. I think Nico Hines just seems like a guy who probably started later in his career. He's had to work for it. I think he appreciates what opportunity looks like, and I think he'll be a dead set star this year. I, th- I thought it was Nico Hines as well. I, the only wor- question mark I had leading to the trials was seeing him in the halves position and maybe seeing what he has as a kicking game, and he seemed to show he's got a pretty decent kicking game on him in, so far. So I think it's a real smart pickup for the Sharks. Absolutely. A lot to like about Nico Hines there. Now, uh, something that's been making the uh, the rumour mill, I guess we'll call it, uh, and it leads me into our next question, Jack Bird. Anthony uh, Griffin playing by that money ball system uh, in regards to signing. Broncos paying the majority of his uh, contract. This is the last year. Lots of talk going around the Dolphins and Parramatta circling uh, for his services. Uh, which player and team do you reckon will part company either during the season or at the end of the season? Well, I found it really hard to split two. And it's interesting that Jack Bird's one of the hot property markets after the last couple of years that he's had. So well done, Jack Bird, if you can earn another paycheck because I think Brisbane are going to still pay him out in about 52 years' time. Yeah. Um, for me, I think Reese Walsh is gone from the Warriors. I think yeah. he'll go to Redcliffe. Yeah. Um, whether that's during the season or at the end, I think I think the writing's on the wall with Reese Walsh. I think he wants to be in Queensland and kind of just went there for an opportunity. So I think he'll leave. The one I reckon, this is a bit of a smoke, and I'll probably talk about it later in another question, but for me, Tavita Pangai Jr., I think he's going to get kicked out. <laughs> I just think the guy has rocks in his head, and I don't think Canterbury are going to put up with it for too long. I know he's on a big contract there, but if he plays like it in the trial and just looked like someone had stolen his lunch money. He was trying to get retribution because he just looked a bit stupid and they're looking for building a culture there at the Bulldogs. I could see him being the shortest-term contract in the NRL. Do you think he'll end up in uh, France or England? Uh, look, I think Blake Ferguson's giving me a recommendation to go to Japan. So um, we'll just see how it works out from there. Um, but I think one of the other, mate, because I, I don't think an NRL club, I think he's on his last chance with the Bulldogs and by trial form, I don't think he really cares about it. Um, so I think France or England for sure. Here's the thing, too. It's not like it's a surprise with Tavita Pangai Jr. We see the brain explosions uh, at the Brisbane Broncos. So it's not like the Bulldogs 
didn't know what they were walking into when they signed him. He's consistent. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of signings, which one's under the most pressure? There's a, a stack of new ones. I think anyone who's been signed to play in the Haas for mm. any team is really under the pump. Like Adam Re- Reynolds and Matt Burton, for me, are the two. Yeah. I think Adam Reynolds more so because he's been, even though he's got the runs on the board, he, he's there to kind of guide the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think Matt Burton... Oh, I think he is going to be a star. I think he was very decent when he filled in for Cleary two seasons ago. Then they moved into the centres, still played extremely well. So I'd probably say the pressure isn't on Matt Burton as much. But Adam Reynolds, and it's interesting you brought up Jack Bird because I look at when the Broncos signed Jack Bird, and I don't know which is the bigger risk because they're, they're probably paying Adam Reynolds very similar money. He's at the back end of his career. Jack Bird was at the start of his career, and they threw lots of money at him. Um, look, Adam Reynolds, if they don't make the eight, it all falls on him. I don't know if he's at the stage of his career um, to be revitalising a side and, and leading a side into the finals. So I think the amount of pressure is on him. I think he can handle it, but, you know, it's whether his body can hold up to it. So for me, paying big money to Adam Reynolds, I think it's a huge risk. Um, could be high reward, though. Now, uh, moving to the club that will improve the most, there's probably a few that have done some shopping over the off-season. Who do you reckon is going to benefit from the signings? I think Canberra Raiders, I, I think even though they didn't buy many players, I think there's one key purchase that they made which is really going to uh, help their team, which was buying Jamal Fogarty. Mm. Uh, you could just see on the trial on the weekend, it just unlocks uh, Whiten's game a lot more. He doesn't have to worry about leading the players around the park. He can just concentrate on just running his lines and just doing the little things. And I think think Jack Wyden's really going to have a great season thanks to having Jamal Fogarty there next to him. Yeah, they looked electric. They they were probably disappointing, and and I'd probably say the most disappointing side last year was Canberra. They promised so much, and, you know, Ricky Stewart is is a coach that seems to always be under pressure. So I think the pressure is on him to get it right. I'll look at St. George. Um, Last year, they, they probably started probably better than I think a lot of people thought they would. And so the expectation on St. George kind of went up. I think they were a wooden spoon favourite to start last year. And when they're in the top four after a couple of rounds, obviously they favoured barbecues over any performance on the field later in the in the season. But for me, I think Anthony Griffin, I've always rated Anthony Griffin as a coach. I think he got kind of slammed um, at the Broncos, then slammed even further at, at, at Penrith. So for me, I think he's a good coach. I think their buyers are good. Jaden Sewer. Uh, Molo and Burgess, um, even though they're guys that probably can go either way. I mean, Aaron Woods, um, that's probably not the greatest signing in the world. Uh, but it's it's a, I think it's a club that I think he's a culture coach. I think that's why he put guys like McCulloch. Um, obviously, Ben Hunt was already there. But for me, the Dragons, and I don't think a lot of people are picking them to go very well. But, you know, finishing 10th, 11th last year, I think they'll make the top eight. I think that's a big improvement for them. I was talking about this with some people the other day. I think Penrith is going to have the biggest slide this year. Uh, who do you guys reckon is going to have a fall from grace from where they were uh, 12 months ago? Well, I am a Knights fan, and I really think we're on the biggest slide. I think we're going to be pushing around the spoon mm. after being in the eight the last couple of years. Yeah. It's not just losing Mitch Pierce. It's the, I don't know, I think losing a couple other players as well. Um, Watson over to Roosters is probably going to hurt more than losing Pierce. But just having the conjecture there of what's going to happen to Ponga on and off all year, I think could uh, really hurt the club as a whole. And it's, it's probably a club that needs to start well. There's probably a few of them, but I think Ponga's talked about a deal being done after the first six rounds. And usually you hear about coaches getting sacked after six rounds. So when you've got your star player and a guy, like to be fair, the whole club centres its success around 
saying that he'll decide after six rounds. And if they don't perform, then the precious mount. So I'd agree with Newcastle. I look at, I mean, I've tried to predict the Melbourne Storm's demise for the last five, <laughs> six years. At some point, they've it's got coming. to fall down. Oh, I think they're immortal. I think they just keep on going. Every, every time you think they're done, they, they just get a new life. A bit like the old man in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He's just waiting at the temple. He's the last one left. But you'd think so, especially like the last couple of years, at least more than ever. It's like... You think they're on the way out, but then they just they find something, and it drives me insane because I don't know. I'm not the biggest Melbourne Storm fan, but uh, while we're on the Melbourne Storm, they dominated Origin for all all those years. Still got a few players in there now. Let's jump over to Origin uh, for a sec. Uh, who do you reckon will feature in the halves? I think keep and stick. I think Cher- Evans and Munster are still your your best two options. If there's any injuries, you still got Hunt, and I think with AJ Brimson playing. 5'8 this year for the Titans. I think you could probably see him come off the bench for the Maroons and have Ponga at uh, fullback and kind of blood him as like a third playmaker when he comes on the field and then in a couple of seasons take on that mantle. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Ben Hunt's shown. I think he was player of the match in the last game at, at Hooker and I think that's where he's going to play for Queensland and Munster and Chair Evans. I mean, Munster, from all reports, has matured in the off-season. He's staying out of social media videos, so this is a positive news for, for everyone that's associated with the Melbourne Storm. But, yeah, for Queensland, it's good news as well. I mean, he's a guy that can sometimes lead uh, lead a team on his own, which he probably did for Queensland that, that series before. So if his head's right, I think he's the guy that probably holds the keys for Queensland. And, you know, as I always say, you're only as good as your last game and, and Queensland got the win. So I'd probably start with that same side, particularly in game one. Uh, speaking of elite players, elite coaches, hard to come across in the NRL. I mean, I, I've had countless times, I've been out with mates talking about clubs should the coach go, who are they going to even get? And I'm sort of in this predicament with the Brisbane Broncos now. I'm really not liking what I'm seeing with Kevin Walters. I'm getting a little bit worried. But who who, who do you get to go in? I mean, who do you reckon will be the coach under the most pressure this year? Oh, look, I've narrowed it down to two, and I think it's two sides that have probably underperformed for so long. And now I think I have a decent enough roster to at least go close to the top eight, and that's Kevin Walters and Trent Barrett. I think they're, they're two clubs who I think they've recruited. Uh, Kevin Walters is probably on a three-year plan, and, and this is probably the third year of that. He's got some experience in there with Catewell, uh, with Reynolds. Um, the Bulldogs, I mean, they they finally become a club that, that players are willing to go to. Are they best players going around? Probably not, but they've they've got some cattle. So they're, they're two coaches that I think if they start 0-4 or if they start 1-6 and or if it's a, a slow start, the drums are going to beat loudly. And, and probably for me, they're the, probably the two, the two coaches – who I don't think have enough in the bank account to withhold onto a job if they don't perform. So for me, it's those two um, and a distant third to the next. I think you could also throw in Adam O'Brien and I don't think Michael Maguire should be in there, but I think he is in that mix. But I think Trent Barrett is the main one under pressure because I also have a theory. I think that this is possibly Freddie Fittler's last season as Blues coach. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, cast your mind back to the 1990s, uh, when Fitler was playing for the Panthers, um, who was it that lured him over to the Roosters? Mm-hmm. It was Gus Gould, who's there at the Bulldogs now. So I could really kind of see um, Fitler announcing it's his last season and not if, but I think more when Barrett doesn't uh, show improvement this year. Uh, I think Gould's going to be getting in the ear of Fitler and saying, hey, if you want to come back and coach club footy again, I've got a job here waiting for you. Oh, I like that. Our idea. first conspiracy of the show. I love it. It's a good one too. Very plausible. I love it. 
<laughs> do, you, do, do you reckon he'll even uh, fit the mould? I mean, do you reckon he'll do much better than Trent Barrett, even if he was to, to get that job? I think Fittler's a much more mature person than what he was a few years ago. Fittler probably was still a little immature when he was a club coach. He was still one of the boys back then. I think now with those few added years, I think it's done him good. I think he was a little too close still to the players he was coaching at the time. But, Dang. um yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, the conspiracy theory is good. I love that aspect of it. Uh, let, let's move out from coaches and let's see if we can get some player conspiracies going. Who do you reckon is going to burst on the scene in uh, season 2022? Well, I think I think Ben mentioned it before. Oh, I think Matt Burden, like like I said earlier, like I think, you know, when Cleary went out, he was an unknown. I think his first game was against the Warriors and I think I put him in my fantasy NRL side because I had no other option and he absolutely killed it. And then... Well, I thought he was probably the player of the grand final as well um, last year playing in centre. So I think he's an absolute star. Trent Barrett was his coach um, at Penrith, which is probably why Trent Barrett pushed so hard to get him at the Bulldogs. I think he played pretty well last night um, in, uh, in that Bulldogs trial. Um, I think he's a guy that – I think he's a star. I think he's he's going to live up to the price tag. We see a lot of players who get paid big money and, and kind of fall away. No, for me, it's not going to happen. I think he's – yeah, he's going to be the next popular player in the NRL. I think we've already seen one play that's really going to light things up this year, and that was Xavier Savage for the Raiders, already looking very sharp in the trials. But another player that's not getting the attention that I thought they might uh, was Toby Sexton for the Titans. I yeah. saw him have a hit out for them last season. I was really quite impressed, but um, there's been really no buzz about him at all. I think he could surprise a few players this uh, few uh, teams this season. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I keep looking at the the Titans' spine, and I don't know. It's sort of like the Newcastle Knights for me at the moment. I like though. At least they're going to die wondering. At least they've gone. Hey, we're going to go with the youth, and we're giving mm. you guys basically the season to prove yourself. I think that aspect of it is kind of good. Uh, that they've basically said, apart from probably their hooker position. They've said to the halves and the fullback, hey, here's the keys to the club. You've um, Go and show us what you've got. You've got all year. It takes a pretty large set of balls uh, to get rid of Jamal Fogarty, who I mm. thought was a pretty decent player. I think he was actually their captain to start last year. So it takes a fair bit um, of the old cojones to push him on um, and back you. So, yeah, mate, I think Ben makes a really good point that they obviously see something in these young guys. And, and from trial form, they look okay. So... Um, yeah, it could be a great move from the Titans. I still think the biggest mistake was not calling them the Gold Coast Schoolies. I still think that's where they went wrong. Um, that's a team that I think more people would have got behind. Jesus might have said, might turn water into wine, but there's plenty of people in Gold Coast that can turn Bundy Rum into a conviction. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Now, I'll tell you what, if the Titans go on and go and get these two premierships that they're talking about start a winning culture, they're going to become a bandwagon. And we know what bandwagoners like in the NRL. Who do you reckon is going to be the big bandwagon this year? No Sharks. I think uh, Nico Hines is a very likeable player. Um, I wouldn't go so far to say he's a sexy man. Oh. <laughs> With that long flowing hair. Uh, I, I, I kind of see a lot of um, NRL fans as girlfriends, kind of the casual fans getting behind him. And I think there's been enough time now f- from the drug saga that fans, and it's a completely different side to what it was now. I think fans are going to maybe start to look at that side now and go, I'm going to enjoy watching him play. They've also got a new coach. So I'm going to see them get a few bandwagon supporters this year. 
maybe including possibly myself. Yeah, like it's, it's a good point. I think probably why, I don't know, this is just going out as audio, but I noticed that Foxy's not wearing a shirt for the recording. So I think that's great. What he was looking for is to get the casual fans in yeah. uh, with his certain attire this afternoon. I, like, I keep referring to them, but I think it's the Bulldogs again um, because they've just signed players that – like, it's usually young kids that start a bandwagon side, and the Titans were the worst for it um, when, you know, David Fafita went there, so everyone jumped on. Pangai, even though he does have a head made of glass, I think he's still a guy that kids get behind. So, you know, Pangai Jr. going there, um, Matt Burden, I think it's a side they've, they you know, the Fox. I mean, he's a huge draw um, for your young audience. So... I, I think they're going to be a side that a lot of people are going to watch, and I think they're going to become the, you know, the second favourite side. Like, like even Manly have sort of, sort of become, which is shocking to us all. But for me, I think the Bulldogs are a side that everyone kind of feels sorry for. And I think once they get results, everyone will say, "Oh well, I liked them," you know, four years ago when they got, you know, the wooden spoon twice in a season. So I think because they are at the bottom, and if they do anything more than that, I can just there's just a bit of a turn with the Bulldogs where people are going, "Oh, you know, I don't mind." Uh, what they're doing. So for me, I think it's them, but the Sharks as well. And mm. and Sharks and likeable in a sentence is not something I thought that I would ever say, but the sexiness of Nico Hines, he could break down barriers. He's already starting to on this show. I know a couple of <laughs> starting to get all, all hot and heavy in this uh, podcast. A game you're looking forward to watching the most. There's a stack of them uh, coming up, blockbusters this year, but any that are jumping out of the uh, gun for you guys straight away? Um, I think Raiders versus anyone else from the top six last season, just to kind of see where they are mm. uh, a team are they back after a season off last year because uh, I really did like the look of them in the trials I, and I think they, they are going to be really uh, pushing for the top four position this year and it's similar with, with Manly as well I think the big knock on Manly last year was they beat up on teams below them so if Manly are going to go you know, any better than they did last year, maybe the same could be said for them is is to see how they go in those sides um, in the final series. But for me, it's going to be Melbourne versus Cronulla. It's a rivalry that's sort of always been around. Um, you know, they played each other in a grand final. Will Chambers kind of went there last year. I don't think he's re-signed again, but mm. even he tried to kick things off in a, in a match where the Sharks got absolutely flogged. But now that the Sharks have kind of poached a few Melbourne players. I'm interested to see how that kicks off, and oh, I think that's going to be an interesting one to to watch. I think it's round six. Oh, we have to wait for that one. I'm, I can't wait long. I've got uh, round one, Broncos, South Sydney Rabbitohs. I cannot wait to watch it. Hopefully Adam Reynolds plays, and uh, either way, it's probably going to be Billy uh, Billy Walters in that lineup, uh, no matter who they, they put in there. Oh, I'm, I'm filthy about that if that ends up happening. Well, I can see you on an emotional roller goes with <laughs> Billy Walters all year. Speaking of uh, getting used to it, do you reckon we'll get used to the West Tigers playing Finals footy again. Do you reckon I'll finish higher than ninth? Yeah, oh, I'm quite buoyant. Oh, Ben's disagreeing straight away. I'm buoyant on the Tigers. Um, I'm I, happy to hear an argument for. Yeah, well, I don't mind. I think, you know, like you talked about Michael Maguire before, and I, I think there's a side that's got potential, and I think getting it right, um, getting the halves pairing is probably the biggest one. Luke Brooks, to me, is a guy who I think is building towards something and they keep committing to him. I think this is finally the year. Um, I think they filmed that Fox Sports documentary, which is probably the worst year to go behind the scenes of the club uh, this year without the pressure of the media. Um, I think they're going to go well and they're going to finish seventh. No, I think they're going to be... I did like the look of um, Oliver Gilder, um, the English import that they got, but like, I don't know. I, I see them going around the spoon. I, I've got no faith in Luke, 
Luke Brooks. Oh, I'm going to get this argument started even more. Look, I remember going to his debut game at the Sydney Cricket Ground, West Tigers versus Dragons. I'm setting the scene. I'm building the mood right now. It was uh, They were both out of finals contention. Of course they were because it was only a couple of years ago uh, when he made his debut. When he played, it was probably one of the best debuts I've ever seen a player make just straight away. Like, he was unfairly compared to Andrew Johns from the start. I mean, that sort of hype doesn't do wonders for anyone. But he was so good. It was just after that. I, look, I honestly think Luke Brooks could possibly be one of the greatest players in the NRL. I know, bear with me here. I think he needs to leave the Tigers for that to even be unlocked. But I think that that time's passed for Brooksy. I think he's uh, just had too many years at, at the same thing and he's starting to get towards the end. And Jeez, I'm about to take my shirt off the way you're talking about my uh, my Luke Brooks pick there, uh, Foxy. <laughs> it's, it's funny to think that the West Tigers had that big fall of Aaron mm. Woods, James yep. Tedesco, Mitch Moses and Insane. Luke Brooks. And Luke mm. Brooks is the one they stuck with. Um, I'd much rather him than Aaron Woods running around at, at halfback. But, yeah, I think it's it's time for him to do something. Maybe you're right. Maybe he does need to go somewhere else. Mm. I guess the other big thing is Tim Sheen's coming in. He's the last coach to win a premiership there. So I'm a big culture man. I think the culture will be right. I've got, a, I've got high hopes for a seventh place finish. I think you could be onto something too because the last time they changed their logo was 2005. And they've changed their logo oh. this year. And you know what happened oh. back in 2005? They won themselves the premiership. So, I don't know if logos are, are good omens or not, but uh, what do you reckon, Ben? Do you reckon the, the Tigers logo change is uh, anything to go by? Or do you re- still stand firm that they're going to finish oh. Wooden Spoon? No, I think there's some good players there. As I said, Oliver Gildart definitely um, looked good. Um, I think Hastings also looked quite good. And mm, they've yeah. got Dewey to come back late in the season. So, there's, there's not some hope there for them, but I just don't see them out pushing for the eight. I, I brought this up earlier on in the podcast. Mitchell Moses, I read some. I don't even know how accurate this is, but uh, Mitchell Moses is the favourite at the moment uh, around some punters to take out the Dally M medal this year. What do you boys reckon? Do you reckon that's in the ballpark or do you reckon we're way off with that? Way off. I, I think it's. Um, I think there's four players for me that could be in the mix. Um, Trebojevic, uh Cody Walker without having Adam Reynolds. Mm. Uh, if he has a good season, there's not going to be an Adam Reynolds there to pinch any points from him. Uh, Nathan Cleary, obviously, and James Tedesco. But then the other one I'm going to throw in there is, uh, I mentioned earlier, was Jack Whiten. I think if uh, Fogarty plays out the full season, doesn't get injured, I think Whiten's going to have a real good season. Bold picks. Um, the top four favourites, I reckon, for the Dally M, Ben. I'm going outside the box, and you won't be surprised. I'm going Luke Brooks, Dally oh, M. Okay. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what, he deserves it if he can get the Tigers to finish above ninth this year. <laughs> Currently paying $1,000 on sports bet. Gamble responsible. Oh, put five bucks on that bad boy any day of the week. Uh, look, I reckon there's going to be a, a couple uh, contending for it, and... I'm going to get a little bit uh, fanboyish right now. No, I'm not going to go with Billy Walters. I know that you're thinking that. But uh, look, Nathan Cleary, I think if he can do really well from this uh, shoulder uh, surgery that he's had and, and come out, look, I, I've always been a big fan of Nathan Cleary. I think for the pressure that he's had on him, the way he performs week in, week out, the things that he does, Origin, Grand Finals, uh, I think he can go and win it this year. And uh, I think he can give Panthers a good year if everything sort of stays on track. I said earlier on as well, I think the Panthers could be in that danger zone of falling down towards the bottom of the ladder. But I think it's all going to roughly depend on where Nathan Cleary's at. He keeps coming back the last few seasons. He keeps adding just something little and it's not something major to his game, but he's 
adds those few little one percenters to the game mm. that you don't really notice unless you're going to sit there and watch a full game of his. And I'm interested to see what he, what he brings to this his game this year. Which team did the best shopping over the off season, boys? It's very few. I thought uh, I thought the South Sydney sign of Anthony Milford will prove uh, prove a masterstroke <laughs> when he finally gets his court appearance underway. Um, so I'll hold off judgment for that one until later. For me, it's it's probably not the team that that bought the most players because I think sometimes you know you got your Bulldogs who sign a lot. Um, even your Broncos, I thought, you know, Kate Will and Reynolds' experience is is really important. But oh, I think the Roosters and signing Connor Watson, I think he's a guy that I think everyone was surprised when he left Newcastle. Obviously, mm-hmm. him and Callum Pong, I think they were housemates, best mates, um, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I think he's a, a really decent player. And if you can add him into a team that was already a premiership favourite before injuries last year, I think he will probably prove to be one of the better signings of the year. And he's a guy that, that plays in your halves, plays that utility role, and, and probably a, a, a team where they need someone with a bit of depth um, depth in those areas. So for me, I think it's the Roosters just going from great to even better. So I think that's probably my answer. Yeah, as, as a nice fan, I was sorry to see him go. And I think over at the Roosters, I think he's going to be a bit like a better version of Mitch Orbison, which is kind of just the Mr. Fix-It guy, whatever yeah, they need. They can just put him in almost any position on the field and he'll just go out there and do his job. But uh, I think that there's two teams I've already mentioned before which I think recruited the best. And I think if you're going on numbers, I think Cronulla Sharks bought really well. Um, but again, I, I think Fogarty was a really smart um, purchase for the Raiders and it's exactly what they needed. They didn't need to go out on a, a spree and buy a lot of players. Um, and I think Kotrick coming back, I think sometimes players just work at particular clubs. Uh, and I think uh, Kotrick going back home is a good thing. But it's interesting, the, the Raiders have recruited people, but they're not necessarily from England. So they might have gone off that strategy. <laughs> well, they keep getting homesick. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> strategy. We'll see if it pays off. Uh, the worst signing, boys. Who do you reckon, uh, I don't know, bought just for the sake of buying? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go in first. I'm going to go in first. Cowboys, Chad Townsend. <laughs> I had him in the mix too. <laughs> I think you mentioned it before. I think it's Anthony Milford um, has already shown his hand. It's mm. and to any club that tries to um, purchase him after the court appearance, someone will be tempted. Mm. Someone will be struggling. Oh, no, I think it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Might have to jump ship to Nico Hines as sharks. <laughs> I, for me, and I've now seen Foxy with his shirt off, and I think you've got a better rig and a better chance to contract. It's Aaron Woods. Like, this bloke just continues to get signed. Yeah. Is he just like, the nicest guy in the world? Is Maybe that's not what oh, we're seeing. Not even I, casual I, fans. Like, my wife, like, watches a little bit of NRL, and even every time she comes on, there's just pure hatred for Aaron Woods. <laughs> He doesn't even know the bloke and hates him. So, I don't think he's a nice bloke. He's just painful. Get rid of him. I'd love to sit down and have a beer with him. I'm cu- I'm curious. I think maybe there's a really nice guy. Maybe he's just good for for the team. Like, I mean, St. George also bought Moses Mabai, which I think is a depth player, but I think they've also just bought him on his personality. Uh, from all accounts at the West Tigers, he was this kind of um, player that they gravitated to. Unfortunately, just didn't have the talent to back to back that up to be club captain so maybe Aaron Woods is kind of a purchase like Mabai. Ben I reckon if you're having a beer with Aaron Woods he's going to make you pay that's the sort of bloke that he is. Typical New South Wales <laughs> fan loves having... I'll be happy to pay <laughs> <laughs> Now we, we touched on this a little earlier on uh, we, well, we dipped our toe in some potential candidates but the wooden spoon uh, that thing haunts me ever since that 2020 season I, I don't ever want to go anywhere near it again uh, who do you boys reckon is going to, to get it? Cowboys, I think, could be in the mix. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm going to say the Knights if Ponga gets injured and Tigers if Luke Brooks doesn't get injured. I've gone with the Warriors. Um, mm. I know Sean Johnson has gone back there. They're, they're not playing. Well, I don't think as of, of the last time I checked the uh, the weather guide or the COVID situation in New Zealand, I don't think they're playing um, to start the season in New Zealand. I think that's probably starting to wear on them a little bit. Sean Johnson, I don't think he was as bad. People said his, his career at the Sharks was awful. I actually thought he was okay. I didn't think he was too too bad. And I think, you know, it's going to be a good homecoming. Maybe he's matured a lot. But for me, the Warriors, um, I don't really know. It's, it's hard because you, they don't, the players probably don't get as exposed as much being – you know, a lot of the New Zealanders, you don't really hear too much about them. We don't, I don't think they're spoken as much in the press and in the previews. And, and sometimes they can be rocks and diamonds. But, yeah, I haven't really heard too much about them. And I, I just, there's nothing really there that says they're going to be any better than last year. And, and, you know, we talked about the English players going home when you're homesick. Well, the Warriors have been doing it for two years mm. now. So at some point, the penny has to drop. And, and I'd love to be proved wrong. I do enjoy the Warriors. I, I like supporting them. I've got a mate who's a diehard Warriors fan. But... I'd like to see them go well, but for me, there's nothing that says they won't finish um, at the bottom. Yeah, Sean Johnson's a strange one for me. I think he's a good player, but I've always thought he would probably flourish under a club like Melbourne, where he is not the star of the show. There's no expectation on him. He's got everyone else around him good in their positions, doing their job. just seems to be that uh, he had a lot of uh, hype around him and a lot of focus and responsibility on him at the Warriors. Then when he went to the Sharks, I think people just expected that he was just going to turn their their club around. He wasn't woeful, but I don't. I think because he didn't set the house on fire uh, at the Sharks, he got that sort of rap. Because I think I don't know why everyone has these huge expectations of him. I mean, he's never won a premiership. He's just sort of always been the guy with that responsibility put on him. What, what do you reckon? Do you reckon he would have, or he should go to somewhere like Melbourne or a club that that has everything else in order where he won't be the star? Well, I thought he did play pretty well at the Sharks as well. I thought you started mm. to see him mature as, mm. a, as a player a little bit and try and get away from it, throw, like doing a lot of those fluky like chance plays. I I think I think almost going to the Broncos and playing alongside uh, Reynolds would be really good for him. I, alongside, I think mm, just having... Alongside Billy Walters. <laughs> yeah, Tough he's got to find out first. Ben, would you say, like, and I know we don't wish injuries on people, but for someone like Sean Johnson who relied on that, you know, that elusiveness, the athleticism, do you think almost like the injury kind of forced him to change his game and actually, like, it made him mature as a football player a bit? Possibly. Like, it's really hard to say without knowing the guy. But, I mean, you saw, you're starting to see some of those players, like Benji Marshall was a completely different player. From when he was younger to when he matured, maybe maybe he was using Benji Marshall as a as a blueprint because I mean they both are New Zealand players. Like maybe they ha- have had chats. We don't know. Let's speak of overhyped. I'm not calling Sean Johnson uh, this next guy, but Ash Taylor. My God, one what is it? One point one one point two million dollars, and uh, it's still to this day is one of the great mysteries of rugby league to me. Who do you reckon is going to be the next Ash Taylor, big contracted young player? I mean, you've got to throw, and I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player, but the fact that there's already been a big paycheck thrown at him is uh, Joseph Suwali for the Roosters. I mean, he did spend a lot of his last season injured, and that is quite common for young players as they're trying to get their bodies used to the rigours of NRL, but he's got a bit of competition there in the back line this year uh, if no one gets injured again. Um, and you also got um, 
who who came back from uh, England? Uh, Nugua, Kevin Naguama. Mm. I mean, so if, if you're well. the big hot property young player and you're you can't push Kevin Naguama out of position, are you worth that money? Not saying that yeah, Kevin Naguama is a bad player. Yeah, Matt, oh, I 100% agree um, with Sawali, and I think. When these young players, when this guy came in the scene, they had an exemption to get him to play when he was 17. So I think he was one of the youngest players to play on RL and, and performed okay. But because of all the expectation, we expect these guys to be great and we don't give them a chance to be good. So, you know, we can't, he can't just be good. He's actually got to be great um, when he comes back into the side. So for me, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, Matt Burton, we've already spoken about a lot. I don't see him going that way. He seems bit of a level-headed football player in the halves, obviously a bit more pressure. Um, but, yeah, for me, Sawali, just the expectation. Um, I mean, even Fox had, like, a Sawali watch um, when he made his debut. So, you know, he's a guy that I think there's huge expectations for. And I think he'd be good. Um, I just don't know if he'd be great yet. It's it's odd these big uh, raps come on, on some of these players, especially when – it. It's people who should know better too. Like uh, Phil Gould's done it a couple of times and a lot of other commentators have given big raps on players who haven't really proven themselves. I, I don't know. I don't know where the, the logic in that is. Yeah, yeah, I think half the time it is it's our fault as fans, not so much the players themselves. I mean, we, we don't see the stuff that they're doing off field and stuff like that and we just assume that they're going to reach that potential. We don't know if their body's going to break down. We don't know a lot of other factors. It's so, it's so true. And, I mean, as much as I love you blokes, if I get offered more money to do this somewhere else, I'm going to take it. You got like, it. Like, you know, that's the other thing. <laughs> like, it's, you know, he, he was an 18-year-old at, at Brisbane and, and the Titans just threw ridiculous money at him. Um, Matty Johns, even at the time, called him the next – great player mm. so sometimes the price tag di- dictates what we expect from these guys but you can't blame them for taking the coin but then i guess the flip side is they can't blame us for putting the pressure on them that's, that's so true. you've got to kind of live up to it or or kind of falter and i think ash taylor oh, like i wish him nothing but the best i mean he's gone to warriors on a on a train and troll and you know he could he could do wonders over there but yeah, for me, so well, I think it's a great pick, Ben. Oh, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, bold predictions for the year, boys. I want you to get this uh, crystal ball. I know you both have one in your double in the old witchcraft every now and again to try and get those punts up uh, on the weekend. What do you reckon is going to happen this year? Scandal, a win, a signing? I, I don't know. What's your predictions? What are you thinking? I've already touched on my big one early on, which was the um, Fittler leaving the Blues coaching job yes. to take on. And I think um, I'm going to add to it a little bit more. Ooh. I think um, Danny Badiris will be the Blues coach in 2023. This is a very oh, plausible yeah. conspiracy theory. I've heard a lot over the years. <laughs> I'm right up there with this one. Parker, what do you reckon, man? Mate, mine is going to be quite bold, and it's probably going to be proven wrong Ooh. after about four rounds. But I'm actually going to predict that Penrith will miss the top eight. Oh, okay. And, and, and the only reason I say that is... And we talk, we've we covered the Tigers a lot. But you look at 2005 when the West Tigers won the Premiership and they kind of caught the competition napping. And it's not that the Panthers have done that, but, you know, the Tigers were a young side. It was all enthusiasm, like great flare and attack and, and strong defence. And the Penrith Panthers have done that. They've kind of – they've won their Premiership and they are quite a young side. And I, I just feel that once they've, they've got to the top of the mountain – the only place to go is down. And, and watching that trial, and I know, Ben, you talked about Parramatta and, and, and your concerns around then, but, you know, for that fact that Penrith did not score a point, I know that Nathan Cleary wasn't playing, to let in 30 points as well. Um, it is a trial and you, and you shouldn't get too stressed about a trial game, but I think they're a side that, that once they lose their confidence, 
I think that's their season kind of gone. Cleary, from all reports, probably won't be there mm. round one. Um, and I know they've got enough players to kind of to pick up the slack. But, you know, Matt Burton was the guy that filled that spot. Well, he's not there. Sean O'Sullivan, um, good luck, like, doing anything to, to replicate what Cleary does. So I just think if they're a side that lose, you know, three or four in a row, which they haven't done probably for the last two, three years, I just don't know how resilient they are to bounce back from that. And, um, yeah, I just think it mirrors the Tigers. And, and I could see a slow start cost them a spot in the eight. Um and, yeah, the rebuilding starts again. But, again, I've gone bold. I haven't gone sensible. <laughs> no, look, I think there's, there's some truth to it. I, I touched on it a little earlier on. I think if Nathan Cleary – because this injury, it's not something that they come back from uh, 100%. I mean, there's a lot of players who had similar surgery who just weren't the same afterwards. I think if Nathan Cleary just can't get back to the Nathan Cleary that won last year's premiership, I'm with you, Parker. I think we could seriously – see the Panthers in a, in a lot of trouble at the end of the year. Well, I'm, I'm just expecting them to kind of be around that um, fourth, fifth position. You see, I think, think they will fall down the ladder a little bit, but I think if Nathan Cleary does stay fit, I think it's more less 2005 Tigers and maybe more of the Newcastle Knights of the 1990s where there were some teams there that the Newcastle Knights had where they were just getting dragged basically by mm. Andrew Johns. And I'm not saying the clear is to their Johns level yet, but if, if he kind of keeps on this trajectory, he mm. could be as, mm. as good as Johns. Because I said earlier, he keeps coming back and he, there's just little tiny things to his game that you're going, geez, that's a mature player for his age. Absolutely. I'm actually shocked, Foxy, you haven't suggested Billy Walters, Kevin Walters as the next father-son premiership. Mate, you haven't lo- let me get to my bowl prediction yet. It's the, the podcast is still young. No, I'll, look, I'm going to go out and just say uh, I start off the year uh, irate that Billy Walters gets that uh, spot, but I think by the end of the year I'm cheering for him at the grand final and he kicks the winning field goal. But that's uh, a Super Bowl prediction, I do believe. Now, boys, would you agree with me in saying that over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, prior to the start of every NRL season, there's been a clear favourite or, or a clear one or two teams that you sort of know are going to be in there come uh, the end of the year. Do you reckon that this is probably one of the uh, most evenly matched years in regards to premiership favourites? Because I'm taking a look at different teams and it, sort of finding it hard to see a, a standout team that's... You know how every year there's always like the Panthers or the Storm or the Roosters. I'm, I'm finding it hard to see one or two teams that I think are definitely going to be there come the end of the year. I, I, this is that's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to to this season. The last few years, it's kind of also too with the like such a big change with the way the games play with the rules. It kind of seemed to set up like the haves and the have nots, mm-hmm. and it was like very early there was kind of a gap between the, the top four and the rest of the competition. This year, I'm really looking forward to the fact that probably the top four or five teams are very even, and then from probably around that fifth to almost the bottom of the ladder, there's probably not a lot in it. And it could just take a couple of players missing a week or two here and there due to um, getting COVID positive results or just an injury. It could A team could go from fifth to 15th. And I think it's also too, like, like I, I agree. And I think, you know, when rule changes happen mid-season, like they probably have the last two years, the better clubs or I guess the, the more well-prepared clubs can adapt to those. And that's why you've seen your Melbourne, your Penrith, 
um, Parramatta to a degree as well. Like they just continue to roll on with those rule changes, whereas your lesser established clubs have fallen off. So now that there hasn't been any massive rule changes or, you know, we won't really see anything change mid-season, I think it sets up everyone pretty nicely. I think you've probably got your your top threes probably locked in, but I think yeah, all your other sides are up for grabs. I think it's it's much easier or it's probably just as hard to lose a tipping comp as it is to win one because mm. it is so even at the moment. And, and that's what the NRL is. It's the, the hardest comp to tip in, in the world, I would, I would dare argue. I'd even say the same thing. The pressure is just as much as trying to win the tipping competition at the local pub as it is playing in the grand final. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I just take my tipping a little bit too seriously. Boys, I, I know we've just spent this time saying how hard it is to pick the winner but who do you reckon come the end of the season going to be holding up that trophy as our uh, premiership champions oh Ben I was hoping you go first <laughs> and I could just copy you uh, mate I'm going to go with the Roosters not that I want the Roosters to win but they're a side that they probably could have won it last year um, even despite the amount of injuries that they, they did suffer and they're only adding those players back in I mean we talked about their signings before and the only guy they've they've really added is Connor Watson so for me it's a it's a great side that you've got even greater again um, Joseph Sawali if he emerges into the player that I think everyone thinks he's going to be I mean they've got everything there the culture is strong it's not like a Melbourne I think Melbourne have taken a step back um, Parramatta I mean who knows what they're going to do South Sydney have taken a step back Penrith, I predict, will take a massive step back. And I think the Roosters have stayed the same. Nothing really has changed there at all. So, um, not that, like I said, I don't really want them to win, but I think the Roosters should start pretty red-hot favourites to to take out the Premiership. Well, I'll let you go first because I was hoping you were going to say something for me to argue against, but I actually had the Roosters as well. And for basically every single reason, I think last year has really set them up to, to, uh, for this season. Um, they've got... All those, all of those depth players have now got that first great experience. Where especially to last season, the the New South Wales Cup didn't go ahead, so a lot of those fringe players didn't really get runs last year. Um, it's really only the Queensland Cup players that got a run last year. So that depth is really going to make a massive difference this year. Very good predictions, boys. But uh, I've got one better, I think. It's uh, a left-of-field idea. I think if Craig... Is it the Dolphins? 2022? (laughs) Yeah. Jumping jumping the gun? I'm jumping the gun a little bit. I think they're going to make a... You know, like in the WWE, how they make the surprise uh, entrance and interfere with the chair? That'd be Wayne Bennett this year. Money in the bank match for the grand final. Yeah, but (laughs) I think that's what they need to do to build those ratings up. No, but look, I think if Craig Fitzgibbons does well down there, and gets the players on his side. I like what Cronulla are doing and what they're building. I think if he can get the players on, on side, I think they could be a, uh, a dark horse to challenge for the title this year. That's my oh, prediction. Good Absolutely. Well, boys, we've gone through 20 burning questions uh, prior to kickoff 2022. Next time we talk, we're going to be uh, just a mere matter of hours away from kickoff of the uh, 2022 NRL season. To say I'm excited is an understatement. It was a great... Uh, Ah, great podcast with you boys. It was good to get together and talk some footy. It's been a while. Boys, thank you very much. Uh, caught offside. Episode one, done dusted for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bigger and better.